Life of my life. Tiger shark. A what? Did you take drugs, Danny? Okay. Good. You were a fucking dog. Fuck you too. Boring conversation anyway. So, last night, Drew and I um, went out on a on a business excursion, um, and on our way back from expensing dinners, um, drinks, drinks, and just tomfoolery from our ads that pay for this, we just encountered quite the scene. It was talk about a triple threat. Yeah, seriously. Do 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 you want to go through what you witnessed? Yeah, and then okay. you go through yours. Yeah. So we're, it's like what two? It's two. Yeah, we'll say you know we respectfully closed down a bar, uh, over expensed drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about how to make the pod better, and just how. Like, really workshop it. yeah it was seriously. very productive how to how to just be a better business yeah how do we do that how do we make, how do we do better how do we make us better so after you know respectfully <laughs> talking about this stuff it's you, you know you get lost in the conversation with all the notes you're talking about that you want to fix everything we want to go forward with Next thing you know, it's 2 a.m. We got to go. Yeah. Like, cool. We're walking home. Just downtown city. Just city life. Uh, city boy. And, um, we get to the street that uh, your place is on. And we can, like, see it down the street. Yep. But as we get on this, like, as we turn onto the street, there's first a guy just leaning up against a lamppost and he has like a backpack on and then his phone is just playing. I got a feeling black eyed peas, By the black eyed peas. And it was kind of loud, just full volume while he's staring into the void. Kind of an yeah. Older it song. wasn't the vibe for 2 a.m. No, it was it weird. And, and so we just, so we, we walked around. Him. Yeah. He was on the sidewalk. So we kind of walked on the street and then, you know, just starts walking right behind us. Yeah. Uh, we heard for a while. like as we we're walking, you hear, I got a feeling, like, okay. disappear in the background, and then all of a sudden it starts getting louder, and he starts walking behind us. Mm-hmm. So, like, that puts a little pop in your step, you know, because you're like, all right, well, it's 2 a.m., you know, the people on the streets are probably going home. Who knows what they're doing? But just like How I Met Your Mother, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. So, or is it midnight? Whatever the fucking thing, whatever they say in that show. Whatever the whatever. Whatever the whatever. And so... It's turtles all the way down. Not even a block down from that, I see the entrance to Chase's apartment, and there's this guy just yanking on a tree branch. And I was like, Jesus. And he's also on the sidewalk. And then Chase mentions the people next to us that we were passing by at the time, which I didn't see at first, and then I did. There's two people just grilling, like, charcoal briquettes. A little... A like little a George portable Foreman George Foreman charcoal grill yeah. and lawn chairs in the parking lot of the uh, place next door to mine. Yeah. It was basically on the street. Yeah. In their driveway. Yeah. And then you're just like, you're like, yeah, or whatever. And then I was like, what's cooking? 
and then they just like didn't have any sort of response to us like not even like they a didn't smile even like or like they, a laugh they yeah just, they like, didn't really like acknowledge they us they just kind of like their eyes looked at us and you made a good point like at the time it's kind of funny but then thinking back it's like why are you grilling at two in the morning out there like on the street it's weird yeah like that that we're not at a tailgate at a concert it's 2 a.m and it was like silent they weren't like thursday to night music or anything yeah and so as we pass these people then we get closer to the tree guy who's just really going to town on this tree branch trying to yank it he off. is like he has at this point snapped a branch off but Bushes outside my apartment are very much alive, so like it's harder to just rip a branch off. Mm-hmm. So this man is just full like Mortal Combat, him versus the tree. Yeah, and um, right next to the entrance door, and so again we kind of go out on the street and walk around them. And I was thinking, okay, we're gonna we're gonna like walk around the block and maybe come back later. And then Chase gives a little sneaky backdoor entrance to his his place yeah, and so I was we like, hop in there and then we I know were, the secret scroll route to this place then we were safe and then Chase started doing some recon when we were inside seeing if the tree guy was still there yeah I've never seen him before that was interesting but yeah it was all like within the same like two blocks and this all happened within literally a five minute span yeah yeah when you're like the only one on the street walking down and then like this shit happens it's just weird because it's all concentrated. Yeah. I mean, I've had my uh I've had a good amount of weird run-ins on the road up here. Mhm. Uh not that many, not a triple threat like that. So, from my perspective, we get out of the bar um and we look across the street at the crosswalk and that guy is playing I've got a feeling by himself leaning up against a street light post. He starts following us um and yeah, I was, you know, I think we both kind of knew when he started to follow us. Cause when he was just sitting there, mm-hmm. like, I think he was just meant to be there for like, that was his post. So when he started like following us, I felt like, I don't think he was going anywhere. I think he was following us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's almost like we gave his life direction in a moment, in that moment. Yeah, that's not something I wanted to do. Yeah, I wasn't ready to engage in conversation at that moment. And we uh, we kept walking, and then I didn't even see this dude in front of my apartment building. He was just ripping a stick off of that branch, I guess. I looked over, and I saw those two people barbecuing. It was a, a man and a woman, and I was like, this is kind of cool. This is a cool date. I like looked over. I was like, what are you guys cooking? They just didn't even say anything, no facial expression, just looked at us. And um, the best way I could describe that moment to you was like in Step Brothers, when they go interview Seth Rogen and they're wearing tuxedos. And at first Seth Rogen's like, yeah, all right, this is cool. I like this. That's new. That's edgy. That's sick. And then... John C. Riley farts mm-hmm. and it just breaks the barrier and he realizes, you know what? Like wearing tuxedos to a, to an interview is stupid. You yeah, guys are a little fucked up fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. That's a, and that's how I felt at first. I was like, this is awesome. Call. Like, what are you guys grilling? And then they just gave me bad vibes. And then it like hit me like, actually you guys are weird. It's 2 AM and you're, <laughs> 
grilling in the parking lot right now. Yeah. You know, it 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 hit. It changed. Um, so needless to say, the vibes were not immaculate on the way home last night, but we still made it, you know? Maybe we should stop closing out bars. Yeah. That that's city life, man. City that's what life. you gotta do. City life's crazy. So that's what happened last night. Yeah. Uh last night in Seattle. Sort of like our our next movie, Last Night in Soho, but not really because we did not see Anya Taylor Joy. If we did, it would have been um, a lot better night. Yeah, Instead, I mean, instead we saw. If I walked down to my apartment door and it was Anya Taylor Joy, ripping a branch off the the tree outside of my apartment, I wouldn't question. I would it. probably help her. Yeah, it's like, what do you need? What? Well, how can I help you? Let me help you. Help me help you. Let me be of assistance. I'll do anything for you. And I will always love you. So we said that we weren't going to sit on this pod and just put ATJ on a pedestal. We shouldn't be um, gawking the whole time. Like, oh, she's so amazing. Like, we can't be doing that. Listen, Drew, it's not all about looks, you dirty bastard okay her personality seems amazing i know and she's a talented woman very and there's it's something the about those packet. eyes that get me there's something about just um everything that she does and is uh yeah so the movie we did was last night in soho directed by edgar wright now streaming on HBO Max. Now streaming on HBO Max. Spoilers ahead. If you want to watch it, go watch it now. Big old spoilers. spoilers. Press that pause button on your pod app, wherever you're listening to us from, and go watch that that mother effing, that MF movie, that movie feeders movie, that MF movie. Motherfucker. <laughs> Starring uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Thomason McKenzie, Matt Smith, Terrence Patch. Who's that? He's the old guy. Mm, oh, and then Diana Rigg. Yeah, R.I.P. Rip. Actually, in the beginning of the movie, you get the for Diana. Yeah, that was her last movie. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, great cast. Um, Edgar Wright's stellar cast. Edgar Wright's great. We like Edgar Wright. He did Shaun of the Dead. Um, oh, dude, his hot dude, we fuzz. got yeah, Cornell Cornetto trilogy. So that's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End, mm-hmm. Baby Driver. Yeah, right. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm. A lot of great movies. A lot of fun ones. Last night in Soho. Yeah, I mean. They're all fun That's movies. That's a stellar lineup. Yeah. Edgar Wright's probably in my like top five directors. Really? Yeah. Nice. I really do like the way that he makes movies. Mm-hmm. Especially this one. I'm a big music guy. I've always yeah. loved um, basically scores of movies. And like it's one of those things where like I get goosebumps when there's a really good needle drop yeah. in a movie. And like, yeah, Scorsese does really well with that mm-hmm. because he, I feel like he just does a lot of like period 
movies where he's taking like the Rolling Stones and just like needle dropping them into mm-hmm. any movie that he does. Uh, but what I like about Edgar Wright is that so the songs that you hear in his movies that he does for needle drops aren't necessarily songs that you know, mm-hmm. but they you're like, oh shit, like I w- now want to listen to this song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and when you really start listening to the lyrics too, I feel like he does a really good job of making them applicable to either the scene or the, the movie. So there's a little bit of depth there, which is also nice. Yeah, I think he is a, a very talented director. And I want to get this out of the way early on. Um, I don't think this is his best movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say this is probably closer towards the middle Sure. If not, maybe down at the bottom. I wouldn't say it's the worst movie he's made because even at that, like, that's not do. That's like get, not giving him his due diligence. He doesn't make bad movies. Yeah. But like everyone has that one movie that's kind of just not up to par with everything. Sure. I wouldn't say he's at the bottom with this one, but it's like middle of the pack for him. There's yeah. I mean, I haven't seen all of his movies yeah enough to really gauge where in his lineup but just as a standalone i think it's i think it's a really good movie um and i think certain aspects of it are great but there's something about it that kind of holds it back uh in my mind yeah uh not not to say i didn't like the movie i really do like it i think it's a good movie i think it's solid but Mm -hmm. i i think my biggest thing was with this movie is that I wanted to love it and I just, I just didn't and I couldn't get there. Yeah. But everything about it, like the vibes, the era, you know, the guy, I love like mid century period piece. Like I love all that stuff and, um, the visuals and the, the soundtrack and everything, like all of that was just awesome. It was, it was and, really well put together. And I feel like the story is pretty damn cool. Like we had this conversation last night where I feel that people nowadays, I don't know what it is, but they don't understand storytelling in movies. We were going over this uh, last night about how people want the literal backstory of every single thing. And it's like, you're not going to get the Lord of the Rings trilogy in one movie. Mm-hmm. And most movies are one-offs. You know what I mean. And most of the time, it doesn't matter. No, to the story. You don't. Hand. You don't need to fabricate so much. You need to think of it more as, or at least what I do is, I'll look at it and be like, "All right, I'm opening an anthology book and I'm reading this one anthology." Yeah. And then, that's the movie. Mm-hmm. I was opened to this section of this whatever it is from this medium of seeing it on tv and i'm happy with it Mm -hmm. i think people try to dissect stuff a little too much and be like well there was there was missing parts in the movie like don't get me wrong there's some stuff in this movie that there's missing but i don't think you have to get after it like well there's no real backstory for every single character so there's no point to the story there's so many plot holes. Yeah. I think I think stories can totally be overdone with that though. Yeah. 
and some things are still kind of mysterious about it. It's not all clean cut. Every not everything's answered, and it it allows for some of like that kind of magic to live. Yeah, I I don't know if people are really complaining about that or anything, but I think this movie's story conceptually is awesome. I like, mean, it's, it's a really cool any sort idea. of any sort of like time hopping time machine yeah, and type it's kind stuff. Of like, it's kind time of through travel. a dream. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. We're not getting any sort of like MacGuffin mm-hmm. on how they get back. Yeah. To you're like how they're time traveling. There's yeah. no DeLorean. No, it's all like almost like supernatural. Yeah. And um she Thomason M is it Mackenzie, Thomason Mackenzie. What's her name? Uh, Eloise. Eloise she's, or Ellie. She's watching this stuff happen to Sandy and Taylor Joy, but she also is her. So it's, yeah. and it also creates just a lot of room for creativity with how to like film that. Mm-hmm. And I think in that regard, they did an awesome job. Yeah. Like, I think the, the visuals of this movie are like the best aspect of the movie. It, they are, uh, there's a lot to, kind of dissect on how they made this movie but before i get into that i wanted to make this quick connection mm-hmm. thomason mckenzie thomason Anya taylor joy first big movie In the witch the witch yeah her character's name is thomason, thomason. and i was like ma yep yep rick dalton moment eh because she was supposed on taylor joy was supposed to be eloise at first and yeah and he Edgar Wright changed it to her playing as Sandy. Yeah. They met in LA after the witch was premiered and Edgar Wright went and pitched basically the idea of last night in Soho. He hadn't completely written it. Uh, Cause this is back in whenever that came out, what, like 2014. Mm-hmm. And so he pitched it to her and she was like, yeah, this is great. But then, you know, time just kind of went on and they both did their own thing. Um, Edgar Wright ended up going to make Baby Driver. And then as he was writing Last Night in Soho and time kind of went by, he realized that like the role for Eloise kind of didn't fit Anya Taylor-Joy anymore. So Mm -hmm. he was like, all right, but Sandy's part, as he started writing Sandy's part, he thought of her more and was like, she'd actually be better being what Sandy is than yeah. being Eloise. And then they brought in Thomas and McKenzie, which was a fairly big decision because I don't think they had a lot to work with, with her. I think she was fairly new into really being the star of a movie. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she'd been in films, but she wasn't the one. Yeah. Um, and I I think they applaud her very well for how she came in and just kind of took things for what they're worth and went running with it because she didn't have the experience with being the number one when you have to like choreograph all this stuff. Sure. Like that opening scene when you see Eloise, it's just a massive choreographed dance. Yeah. It's just her in the, in her room dancing around. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think they they really applaud her for coming in and being able to work so well. Yeah. And it, it shows. Like, 
her acting it's not tacky or anything no nah. it's 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 a fairly well done performance yeah i i never thought during the movie um about her like acting i just saw eloise yeah that's awesome uh and then your count um you know like your co-star your counterpart uh is anya taylor joy and that's a pretty daunting task for how i mean she's just been she is now she's Um, just been blowing up recently yeah and it's kind of cool that even though she's like the headliner she's not necessarily the main character yeah and i think it's an effective decision because oh with the vocab yeah because you it kind of leaves you wanting to see more of Anya Taylor Joy mm-hmm. cuz she's such a draw for so many so much of the audience right yeah um and it's cool to like want more of that feel ya and i think i think that's it, it's it works well for the I mean without nice. Anya Taylor Joy this this movie isn't isn't as good as it is mm-hmm. right so if you don't know anybody other than basically Edgar Wright or Anya Taylor Joy, like yeah. this isn't drawing me to the theaters. Yeah. And this, like, it was a big thing that when it came out, my brother was like, "Yo, we both watched the trailer for the first time," and he was like, "Dude, he's co- like, Edgar Wright's coming out with a horror murder mystery," so that was kind of new in his book mm-hmm. because we're both big fans of like we like Scott Pilgrim. We've watched all the Cornetto trilogy. And sometimes I think to some people who don't necessarily get Edgar Wright, I think Baby Driver was kind of more mainstream for people because it wasn't British comedy. Yeah. So so you have Scott Pilgrim and you have Baby Driver, which Mm -hmm. are more... Scott Pilgrim's kind of like Canadian uh, or based in Canada, I think. And then... Baby Driver, I don't know if it's based in Canada or not, or I think it's American, but all most of his other movies there are very centered in in the UK. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the stuff that he writes, especially the humor, mm-hmm. is like British humor. Yeah. And, and it doesn't translate well to the normal like moviegoer. Yeah, it's it's kind of a niche yeah target but audience. i think it's hilarious like i right. love if british comedy yeah but it's, it's just funny. not for everyone and a lot of times people just like need subtitles oh yeah i like, mean i've realized that a lot more as i get older that like people the movie they, we were at last night i was like i feel like i'm missing something because i'm mm. i can't have subtitles on sure especially with like accents you know sometimes it's hard for people to understand or if accents you know the dialect how fast they talk you know you miss a lot of words you do yeah because i mean they're fairly british in this but this movie wasn't matt, like that matt, at all I, but matt smith has got the british marbles in his mouth and this is like yeah. hello love <laughs> clubs the other way love <laughs> you know yeah. you get that and i think that it i'm gonna take um, my significant other as an example here. Okay. Right. I wouldn't say she's a movie buff like I am more of just a regular movie watcher. Okay. Like, you know, always down to watch a movie. Yeah. 
wouldn't say she'd go out of her way to watch a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Normal, like right middle line, average movie watcher. Got it. We tried watching The Gentleman. Okay. And we got like five minutes, ten minutes into it. And she's like, I have no idea what's happening, even mm. with subtitles, because it's very, there's a lot of just like yeah. stuff going on. And it's in a British accent. So mm-hmm. it's easy to get lost. Yeah. It's like that elevator pitch mm-hmm. where if you can't grab on within 10 minutes, yeah. you're just like, I'm over this. Yeah. You know? Uh huh. So I get that. Gentlemen's, that, that's like one of my favorites. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, and kind of, hey, hey, hey. Definitely, sometimes those take a couple times, but I love rewatching movies and also a lot of people don't. So, yeah. Yeah, like you're saying, if if they even pass the elevator pitch and they watch the rest of the movie, like how much how much is missed or yeah, exactly. Gotten. Like in this movie, you get you get those London jokes. Like there's that weird ongoing joke that I don't necessarily understand uh, between Eloise's love interest, where he's like, "I'm from South London." Oh and yeah, and then they're like. She's like, oh, you have a car? And he's like, well, how would I get from South London to North London? Right. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, it's like, does, do people there, like, drive or, like, not take the train? Or, like, what's the deal? I don't know. I know that London's massive. And I actually, when I heard that joke, I looked up, like, compared, like, which one's bigger, London or L.A. And I think they're fairly close to, like, the same okay. size. They're just massive. Sure. On a massive scale that can't be tamed. <laughs> And when I studied uh, abroad in London, I studied abroad. What was her name? That's uh, like, I'm going to kill myself. Um, Rodney. (laughs) Well, now you're in there. I studied abroad. What was her name? What was her name? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I was a semester abroad in the UK my sophomore year of college. And so I lived on Baker Street. Uh, which is fairly central London. A lot of where the action is. Loved me my time there. Uh, but learning how London just grew, it has just basically obviously been around for so long. Mm-hmm. It has just engulfed all of the neighborhoods around it, and they've just become part of London. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of, like, you see around here where like Fremont or Ballard Soto mm-hmm. you know Cap Hill yeah. there's a lot of that but it's spread right for like like you could be on the train for 40 minutes going south and still be in London sure it's crazy yeah massive city that cannot be tamed <laughs> But having said all that, I really don't think this movie has that, uh, like that such bad, British yeah presence that it, it when you're watching it, you're not like oh this is a British movie. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're watching like a BBC movie. No, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's nothing no, like yeah. that. So, I, and I think that's that's definitely nice and accessible for more of an audience. But this movie makes sense to do that with. I don't think this would work as well if it was like the other Edgar Wright 
you know, dry British Very humor. Very dry like, British doesn't humor. Work. It needs yeah. to be like lively and poppy and you got to understand everything that's going on. Which I feel like he, he gets, like he's understanding his audience. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of moved away from that just super focused British humor, which don't get me wrong. I would love another like Simon Pegg. Uh, and I don't know what the other guy's name is. Nick I, something. Yeah. Uh, I would love for them to do a collab on another movie because I love that trio. Mm-hmm. But I get it. I mean, Nick Frost. Well, he's already, that's what he, it is. Yeah. He, he's already done that, though. Yeah. He did that like three times. Yeah. So uh, he's on to bigger and better things. Yeah. I like it. I like the direction he's heading in the movies he's been doing. Yeah. Like, I'll... Edgar Wright's kind of another one of those where I'll go see whatever movie that comes in. Yeah. Theaters. Exactly. Oh. He he does, gr- like, I don't know. His movies are just great. Uh, a big thing that goes on in this movie uh, that I found out was most of the stuff is practical. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the mirror scenes with uh, Eloise and Sandy are practical and they basically mm-hmm. had to mime each other and work yeah. on miming each other. So they were going to do this movie with a lot of like mirror stuff. And they're like, well, we're not going to just CG the camera out of the mirror and CG Ellie on the other side, like split them together. It yeah. was like, they're staring at each other and they have to mime each other, which yeah. I found really cool. Yeah. And like, it, that's very challenging for those actresses to do. And it's cooler to see knowing that. Like you're watching and you're like, oh, they actually made this work. It's like movie magic, you know? Yeah. And you really get a sense of that. And you get to see like the performers perform. Yeah. Like I mean, that. it shows their chemistry, right? Yeah. They built that chemistry to be able to mime each other. And then they did other crazy stuff. Like you have to duplicate the set through, on the other, on side. The other side of yeah. the, the mirror frame. And then um, I think the first time we see that happen, there's like a coat check guy or yeah. whatever like yep a doorman and apparently like they got twins to play it mm-hmm. so they were on there's one on each side of the mirror and yeah like, that stuff's cool do you know who those twins are i remember reading that they were something probably when they were like younger right mm-hmm. who, who are they they're the weasley twins from the harry potter ah, series right which apparently is a thumbprint for edgar wright is to have twins Oh. Or some sort of mirrored like presence in his movie. Interesting. So there's always twins somewhere. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, you have the twins um, that Scott's fighting against in the Battle mm-hmm. of the Bands. Baby Driver, I don't remember the twins. Um, I think in Shaun of the Dead, you don't have the twins but you have that like weird interaction where like sean and his crew meet like his ex-girlfriend oh, right like a mirror version of a mirror version of, of that yeah. and everyone's yeah yeah yep so interesting i guess he likes something common twins. theme yeah that's cool yeah this this movie had a lot of that <laughs> it what the just the mirror imagery yeah that's what the movie was and another part that was cool that i saw was when they would do like that first dancing scene when Sandy's in the Cafe de Paris mm-hmm. dancing with dancing um, with um Jack yeah Jack Matt, Matt Smith. Smith wow Jinx you owe me a Matt Morbius no oh no I was gonna introduce a new 
bit to the show where we connect watch morbius no later maybe possibly where like we connect all of our movies to each other in as little connections as possible yeah um whether it be you know actor director writer whatever Mm -hmm. and then you were like well why don't we just connect it to morbius every single time i was like okay so then for this one i was like let's do it matt smith morbius connection matt smith was in morbius there's your connection (laughs) guys go watch morbius it's the greatest movie i've ever seen my entire life so i think about that to get back on track uh with the whole mirror thing and the miming thing that first dance with sandy and jack in the cafe de perry when they're filming that they basically just had thomas and mckenzie and Anya Taylor Joy crouching down behind the camera mm-hmm. and like moving with them. So when the dance transitions from Jack dancing with Sandy yeah. to dancing with Ellie, they're like switching with each other underneath the camera and next to each other. And it's crazy. It's awesome. And like it was so chor- like choreographed that I remember seeing an interview with ATJ and Matt Smith and they asked them about that scene and Ani Taylor Joy is basically like, I love that scene, but all I can hear of, all I can hear is just like the tempo from like them being like one, two, three duck. And then like having to switch each yeah. other. So it's crazy to think of like how they put this together mm-hmm. and how much it was probably just a lot, a lot of like listening to tempo, understanding when they had to switch with each other. Yeah. And that's just crazy. It just blows my mind. It's and it's choreography with like not only three people dancing together, but dancing around a camera to make to make it work. Yeah, and that's that's crazy. To, like, how do you even begin to? It's unfathomable to do. I think they said there's like a uh, special feature uh, clip where it shows like a wide angle. Yeah, of them dancing, so you can see them actually do all of the um, rotation, the rotation between and the Sandy and Ellie. And I want—I I didn't see that, but I do want to check it out. I saw like really one cool. clip of it. I did. I always, when I saw this movie uh, for the first time in theaters, there's the scene when Eloise leaves college because literally fuck Jacosta. She's getting like bullied. Yeah, dude terrible time she can't take it um and so when she goes to her new apartment there's a big tower in the back that kind of looks like the needle in a way Mm. um it's called the bt tower okay but it's so funny when i saw that like i when i was over in london i would use that as like a directional pinpoint when I was walking around the city yeah like a landmark basically like the north star for me on how to get back to my school that's cool yeah so when i saw that i was like oh my god i know what that is but no one will know what that is you know what i mean yeah that's awesome it's a really cool easter egg for me i've never been to london i'd love to go i've never been but really expensive but really fun having been there you think all the pubs made this movie a little more a little more enjoyable because i i personally been in soho yeah so all those places that she was at, like Carnby Street, Aventu, uh, Soho, we would go out in Soho and party, mm-hmm. and that was 
like one of the best times ever awesome in my life it's some of the core memories i've ever made which is amazing um that first like scene when they switch over to sandy's perspective but it's you don't understand until you go into the cafe de paris yeah just like i want i want to ask you how excited were you when they show that billboard I have the same poster hanging up behind my couch. I know you're a big 007 fan. Well, Thunderball is my favorite Bond movie. Okay. So I was, I was like, fuck yeah. Edgar Wright gets it. You know, it's just kind of one of those things where you're like, yes, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of Bond references in this movie. Really? Yeah. So like, that's obviously the first one which is awesome because it also sets the stage of when it was. Um, it just looked cool too, you know? Like, it looked, it's just so, it's so stunning. Yeah. Like when I think of the movie, I think of that scene. Yeah. Because she's so shot. astonished by all the, like the period cars mm-hmm. and everything going by her. And the lights of, you know, in in the night city. Yeah. Just shining on everything. The huge, the massive poster. Massive poster of Thunderball. Yeah. Stoked! I love that. It's a great shot. I guess Edgar Wright originally had Thunderball there, and then went back and put a different movie in. Okay. Um, and he did test screenings with mm. his like good friends. I think one of them was I think it was like Jamie Fox and Quentin Tarantino. Okay. And they saw the original cut, and then they also saw a like testing screen, or they saw the trailer with the Thunderball poster and then they saw the like audience viewing of it yeah and immediately they're like dude why'd you take the thunderball one out so he like had to go back and do it like that's cool i wonder what he replaced it with i forget which uh poster it was but i think it was another like big movie back then it just people once they saw the thunderball poster they were like you can't change that man that's just so amazing classic it really is yeah and you don't you don't get that much like bond references other than like people doing the name thing mm-hmm. so it's like cool to see like like it is a big part of pop culture like it's cool to see that in movies too yeah um another another uh bondism is uh she sandy's drink is a vesper mm. a vespa mm-hmm. and ian fleming who wrote and created James Bond. He created that drink in the Casino Royale book. Yeah. And then we see it also in the movie. So but he actually made that drink. He made that drink, which is essentially, I think, Bond's drink. Yeah. Shaken, not stirred. A vodka martini, yeah. And then I think there's there's like usually like a lemon peel. Yeah. Um, and then Diana Rigg was a Bond girl. Mm-hmm. She was Tracy in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, was there was a there was another interest. Bond girl in this too. Yeah, who um, was and it? She and she, I'm pretty sure she passed away too. I was yeah. just looking at it. I forget her name, but she was in um, Goldfinger. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, she was in Goldfinger. She was Dink. I she wasn't. I don't think she was the girl who. She wasn't the girl who got gold golded, but she it looks like the images golded. she was. She was massaging Bond. Massaging cool. Bond. 
you know, Shirley Eaton is the one who got golded. Mm. Goldfinger. Anyway, that's cool. So there's another Bond, another Bond reference. Yeah. Uh, Are they, is Jack's car in Aston Martin? No, it's a Triumph. Okay. I didn't know if that was another one that you could pull in. Because I think, once again, with Edgar Wright's, like, attachment to his culture and being British mm-hmm. like James Bond is a massive part yeah of British culture and at that time like it was a big deal yeah so a lot of what's going on it's like James Bond probably I don't even know why I'm saying probably definitely like set set up like pop culture stuff back then so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it was because like it was such a massive thing that she was like, I want a Vesper, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause she, you see that in the films and it's like, Oh, well he's a badass. And I feel like Sandy is young in her career and she, she's not trying to look weak. Mm-hmm. So like, let me get the cool person's drink. Of yeah. A Vesper. You know? Yeah, and if you know your drink, that's also that's also cool. Yeah, exactly. I watched this and when I first saw it, I feel like Jack was the villain in this. And he kind of is sort of the antagonist. Yeah. But then when I did research on it, I guess they're trying to put out the message that Jack and Sandy are the same where they're two very young, ambitious people. And they both want to make it big. So they see each other as, as opportunities to rise. Mm-hmm. But then shit hits the fan yeah. and they both just decline. She hardcore. Right. I feel like she gets the absolute brunt of it. Um, and she gets totally taken advantage of. Yeah. But he's also not defending him or anything, but he's also doing what he needs to or what he can do to succeed. Yeah. And it does kind of take him down a dark path. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. It's a bummer. Cause I think at first the, uh, intentions were pure. They were. And then both of them, I think they started sleeping with each other. Yeah. And then I think it turned into like, it's a little too emotional there. And the club life, that club culture that they had going of the, just for some reason, the very elderly men coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, hooking up with the dancers and singers and all the talent. And it turned into like, he a was money like machine. You, these are the people you want to make happy yeah. in order to be successful later on. Yeah. And that just wasn't true. It just turned into just like a revolving door of men and they were the product. Yeah. And then they got like stuck there. Yep. It's sad. It was a sad, sad situation for Sandy. Especially for... Until you realize she was just murking people. Yeah. And you're like, good. But then right. you're also like, fuck. Like, yeah, these guys are pigs. And yeah. And just sleazeballs. And, like, the fucking showbiz industry is disgusting in that way. It it brought up a question of, who like, whose side are you on? Yeah. Like, I want to say Sandy because, yeah, F those guys. Like, they're... You know they're being they're they're pigs like you're saying, mm-hmm. and they're wealthy. You know probably because they're, yeah. You know buying, buying pleasure, 
and probably you know cheating on their families yep it's like they just they, they the guys suck does that mean they deserve to die though and it's like god i don't like, I don't really, she just she I'm turns not, into no say that, judge, but, jury, and executioner real quick. But I kind of like that for her. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it shows her arc, her shows yeah. her character arc, and how she was innocent yet brave, and then just broken down to the point where she needed to murder people on a yeah. massive scale that cannot be stopped, that couldn't be stopped. But we get to a point where I feel like we're rooting for her in a way. And you I don't are. know. I don't, I don't know if we're, are like, are we supposed to feel that way? Or I don't is know. it just how society has like trained us now? Because we were even talking last night about how we're almost immune to some of like the, the violence that we see. Yeah. Like we were talking about Michael Myers and how we saw the Halloween ends trailer mm-hmm. and it's just fighting in the trailer. It's just and then we were gruesome fighting talking about, and then you mentioned how the first movie kind of set a story and then the next two movies of this like reboot, um, of Halloween. Yeah. Are uh, now not, like, yeah, but you know what I mean? They're just, they're just how many different ways can we try to kill Michael, have him survive and how many cool, gross ways can he kill people? Yeah. And it just turns into basically like a highlight reel of murder and then you start you start rooting for him yeah in a weird way where you're like oh yeah that was a good kill let's go michael yeah michael fuck him up but it's true it's it's to the point where we're so numb to this gore and this like basically i don't i don't know what to call it. it it started I mentioned a little bit with the the post 9-11 era Mm -hmm. where how we were so traumatized by such a paradigm shift in reality Mm -hmm. that it showed in the horror movies that came about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so we have like Saw and you all have all this like gore porn going on. Like Saw and Hostel and The Hills Have Eyes and all this fucking shit like they made the hills have eyes back in the day but when they rebooted it it's like you know yeah things are getting cut off and you're seeing like tendons yeah like and we're just so numb to it a decade later that now we go to like see a movie and when you see halloween kills and you see that first scene with michael and the firefighters and he's just ripping firefighters in half you're like you know what i mean it's not necessarily (laughs) yeah it's like scary def- to people. No, it, but it's people like people have he like creates this a fan base for himself. Yeah, now. like people have this. It's like an like a like an urge. It's like a fix that they a need fix or something. To see. Like, they like love. They want to live it. by curiously through a fictional character. Yeah, which I guess is weird to say. Maybe people aren't just obviously people aren't massive serial killers but like you do see that is it's a big thing that you see and so when sandy's just slitting throats Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that's fucked up dude yeah she's murdering people literally murdering people. we see so much murder and you root for her in yeah in all sorts of movies and tvs and shows and everything and it gets to the point where like murder almost doesn't seem like that big of a deal because yeah. we see it so much <laughs> on TV. So when she starts murdering people, I'm like, oh yeah, like good for her in a way. Mm-hmm. But 
on the flip side, it's like, no, she's a murderer. It doesn't matter really why, just in our justice system, it doesn't. Like, if you murder someone, you murder system. Yeah. Someone, right? And that's what she's doing. And it's like, that's inherently bad. But you're still kind of on her side. And it's a weird kind of morality that you're kind of faced with. and But it brings in that social aspect that we were, we were just talking about. And we also reached on this in another conversation about how we feel as if like horror has changed mm-hmm. because so many people are numb to that. See the monster, the story's already being told. Now the rest of it is like, how do we just like have so much intense violence? Mm-hmm. That people are like sick, you know, or just, like, and I think that people who understand horror feel like it needs to evolve because we've gotten to a point where we're hitting a dead end and you're seeing a lot more of stuff. You're seeing a lot more stuff being advertised as horror, but they're really bringing that suspense in. Yeah. What you get from like the thing mm-hmm. where that's like the massive suspense of who, who's the, th- the thing. Mm hmm. And you see that in like Jaws, like not in seeing Jaws, the shark, yeah, not seeing the shark, or and in the like black the, phone, and mm-hmm. in Nope, the original Halloween. You know, like I don't really consider that movie a slasher. Film. Yeah, no, like, it's it, it it's a slasher film, it, sure, it, but it like compared to other ones, it's so I think well done. Yeah, that it's it has that suspense and eeriness that I think a lot of slashers don't. Mm-hmm. It like builds it up really well. Yeah. And I think that horror kind of needs to return to that and make things more meaningful, more meaningful than just a bunch of fucking necks being slid open the entire movie yeah. and as much blood as you can get, mm-hmm. you know, it just doesn't, you, you're just like immune to it. It just, it, that's why I think anymore. that we're regressing back into thriller suspense Mm -hmm. for horror yeah then you are just straight like legs being cut off yeah there's it's just and you you made a tasteful you made a comment where it's like take halloween kills and yeah like show that to people in theaters (laughs) in the 1960s let's say tom or Eloise walks into Soho in the 60s for the first time. Instead of the Thunderball poster, Halloween kills or ends. And they watch that movie and just just lose their marbles. People would be traumatized. For the rest of their life. People would not know what to do with themselves. They they seriously wouldn't. People would leave the theater, absolutely. But just seeing what they... They couldn't fathom that being not real. They would have to assume that it's real because just have how good movies have become and just how gory like they're not subject to that no back in the day like you almost there wasn't even like really blood in james bond like you barely saw blood yeah and then you go to like michael ripping someone's head off and shoving a flashlight in it to like a pumpkin yeah yeah like they can't take that i mean there's a standard that we've set to the point where now if you don't see blood in a horror film people are like this this movie sucks you know Mm -hmm. and so it's weird because that should be blood should be like in itself a symbol yeah. of being terrified. Yeah. It you're be. losing your, you're losing your life and yeah. people are cheering for the bad people that are murderers mm-hmm. taking lives. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
It's just what it's what the people want, though. It's what the people want nowadays. Where are we here? Um, so they film this all in the city, or most of it in the city, um, and basically what they had to do was shut down some of Soho, which honestly can't be done because it's always moving. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of moving parts there. It's in the middle of the city in London. And they had to like recreate and make staging on buildings of stuff mm. to make it the outsides look like it was in the 1960s. Sure. And I almost like I very much applaud Edgar Wright for taking that challenge up. Yeah, doing that instead of just folding and doing it like a just sound stage, a sound stage, or just CGing the whole thing. Yeah. Like you can see the CG parts in here, but for the most part, like the foreground is shot in in Soho, and they have reconstructed some stuff, mm-hmm. and it's cool. Um, they did do like the staging of Cafe de Perry, the Rialto, and then that like basement bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were all stages, okay. but the recreation of those are just, I guess, where it's just so stunning. Like they took um, Diana Riggs and showed her the stage of uh, Cafe de Paris. Okay. And she was blown away of how realistic it was. She was like, you guys made it honestly even better than it was that I can remember and a little bit bigger. But she said that she basically had that same reaction when she walked down those stairs. She could just flash back to a time when she was in that. And there was just a line of just white, rich pigs mm. sitting in a line. Yeah. Just all eyes on her. Cause she was this new, beautiful woman walking into yeah. the bar, you know, mm-hmm. which when Sandy walks down those stairs, every single like old rich person is just like drooling yeah hello love hello clubs this way clubs this way love handbrakes love handbrakes Handbrakes. (laughs) yeah it's disgusting and i think you know where to find me i think i was struggling to find why like what about this movie isn't like is like either missing or not really my vibe to where I'm not like in love with the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of it is that they not took, the fly. I'm sorry. Is it back? Dude, it was just, it just hovered over by you. I think sorry. a big part of that is they took like that, that fun swing in sixties period. Yeah. And they turned it dark. Yeah, well, which is like in reality, that's like probably, you know, that's what it was like. It's not like everything was great, but I think it just, it takes like the fantasization of eras and it, it kind of gives you like a check on it. Well, yeah, the whole, there's a whole theme here. Yeah. Edgar Wright, it was, he wrote about that or was talking about it, how, um, he said something that I find truly nightmarish and I guess there's an element where I'm sort of giving a sharp uh, rebuke to myself is the danger of being overly nostalgic about previous decades 
in a way the film's about romanticizing the past and why it's wrong to do that and it's a really cool um like story structure because that's what like thomas or eloise did like she did romanticize that period and she saw like the dark side of it but for viewers as well like i don't know it, it left like like a bad taste in my mouth like a like kind of seedy and gross yeah and that's totally the vibe that he was going for and i think seeing anya taylor joy's character sandy like go through that is also like kind of hard to watch and gross to me um so i don't know if it was just like super effective storytelling that it made me like a little turned off by it where yeah because you want to think that movies are more movies are fantasy like it's our escape Mm -hmm. so we can watch this form of of media and be like well that's not real you know and then you realize that the the you're right the nightmare that is present here is the reality of the movie and how I think that the tone of the movie is that, you know, the grass may always seem greener on the other side, mm-hmm. but romanticizing other stuff, like you need to understand when fantasy is better off just fantasy because yeah. Eloise just gets a, like a massive reality check just in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. She's always wanted to grow up, lives in like out in the Shire. <laughs> Mm-hmm. with her grandmother yeah and she is wanting to be this fashion designer and make it big in london and has these big dreams and aspirations mm-hmm. and then she moves out there from romanticizing london and wanting to be on carnaby street and realizes like this immediately this isn't what i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. that first interaction with like the black cab driver is he's just like are you a model? And she's like, no. And he's like, we got the legs for it. And yeah. she's like, you know, what? welcome to London love. Yeah. Welcome to London love. So, and then you get the whole romanticizing the past. Like you said, it's not always as beautiful as you think yeah. it is because as time goes on, people don't want to look back at traumatic things. They just mm-hmm. want to make it polished and pretty. Right. So we always think of, oh, well, like the 60s and like the 70s, like the summer of love, like that type of stuff. Like, yeah, that's cute to romanticize, but also we're in the fucking Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Like people are getting drafted and ripped out of their houses to go fight a war that they had no clue why they were fighting. Mm -hmm. And you get that in like movies about the war, but there's not necessarily a movie going over that. The only one I can really think of, I guess for that is, um, fuck. What is that? Oliver Stone movie with Charlie Sheen. Well, full metal jacket kind of does that. And then Apocalypse also now does that. Yeah. Apocalypse now and platoon platoon. <laughs> Willem. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's right after like the whole segregation uh 50s mm-hmm. and like it's still there and relevant you know yeah like it still is but like i mean it's a I'm it, it's still it's a not a good big, period no <laughs> like, it's not and, and it, it goes to show how quickly it turns because you you get this whole 
beautiful girl in Sandy mm-hmm. and probably in three months time, she's basically turned from wanting to be a singer and making it big. And now her dreams are ruined because she's basically become a prostitute. Yeah. And so it's terrifying to think like, yeah, that happens. And guess what? That happens a lot today too. The city will do that to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a sad story and it is kind of just a reality reality for both Eloise and the viewers. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to see Anya Taylor Joy go through that. You know, as much as I like have a, have a hard on for her, (laughs) just as perfect, as much as I just have the biggest crush on her Mm -hmm. and like, love seeing her in just some no matter cute what. little lingerie outfits some cute little 60s dresses Dress. and stuff yeah. yeah like she's a beautiful woman but that's fucked up story right you know yeah and it makes me it just it's just it's repulsive <sighs> uh, uh, what what were you gonna say you gonna cut me off i no you're I, fucking I was cut talking. off i was talking I thought the ghosts, I think they, I think they got I, a little old yeah, and repetitive at I, the end and it got a bit much that's and I was kind of over it. That's where it hit me. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of lost me there a little bit. I thought a lot of that could have maybe been cut out. Yep. Like, I don't really think we needed to see the ghosts no. in the library. Well, the, it was I, starting to morph with her. She's going insane. I didn't know. Like, it just was a lot. And it got like it kind of triggered my anxiety a little because yeah. they do really cool stuff in this movie with the soundtrack and the score. Like mm-hmm. they blend the two, yeah, which is awesome. And I, I don't, you don't see that much. I can't think of really another movie, but that's cool. But there's a lot of sound going on. Then there's a lot of screaming and all these fucking ghosts everywhere. It just got a it got a bit much, and I was kind of like, you know, I get the meaning of the whole like blank face because she. Mm-hmm. Sandy reveals like I had to I basically just like t- stopped looking at their faces because yeah. so many men would come in and that's why they don't have faces. Yeah. But it, it, makes it does sense. Get, it does get to a lot. I think it's just a little overplayed. Yeah. I think there could have been less guys. Less guys. And make them creepier and yeah. maybe less zombie-y and more like they could have they could have had less guys throughout the movie and then at the end sort of revealed the massive scale with the guys like at like at first you have like the i would say three to four tops of those ghosts that are following her and you can really focus in on those ones being creepy and then i feel like at the end you can have that whole scene where it's like oh fuck it wasn't just like four people it was like a hundred yeah you know Uh uh-huh and that's when you can show them all coming out of like the walls and stuff yeah and it's kind of more of a realization like oh my gosh she didn't defend herself like she was she turned into a serial killer yeah i think that would have made it a little better it leaves a little bit more for the end because you can you it's not the hardest movie to figure out no uh and you can you connect the dots although i will say when i saw this in theaters i didn't see uh, Miss Collins being Sandy, that, that the twist got me. Yeah, it did. Yeah, and I think that's and, why when I first saw it, I, I romanticized it like I had that after movie high mm-hmm. 
um, I, I posted a story on my Instagram and was like, go see this in theaters because we were just getting back out of COVID life. And I was like, this is definitely one to go see in theaters. And uh, I would probably mm-hmm. at that point in my life give it like a high seven, like a seven, six, seven, seven. And now when I watch it again, I'm like, it's good. Once again, it's not Edgar Wright's best. It's one of his more mature films because mm-hmm. it tackles a real issue in life with showbiz and this stuff that happens. Uh, but now I'd give it like a seven. Like just, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, a, it's not a six. I'm giving it like a seven, seven, one, seven, two. Yeah, I agree. I, I still really like the movie. I just can't really put, put on my finger like what it is that is holding it back because i think it's the use of the ghosts i I do yeah i really think it brings it down like you know on paper i think it's beautiful great and like visuals up until like all the ghost stuff awesome yeah like just so well they over he overuses the cg of the ghosts it's once again it's the cg that brings it down right it's just it's the ending is a lot and i don't think it needed to be that much no they did really cool stuff though with like kind of cutting between reality and like what she's seeing. Yeah. But I feel like it could have maybe been blended a little bit more and looked a little bit less CG. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, it was the third act. You know, kinda... if you do three to four ghosts, don't make them CG. You budget in just those costumes and then you can throw in some CG shit later. Mm-hmm. Or maybe instead of showing a bunch of ghosts, you just have like the practical arms coming through the floor and you realize like, oh shit, like there's a hundred bodies here. There aren't four. Yeah. It, it makes it a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it gets it, repetitive with the ghosts. Very redundant. Right. Cause I have no complaints about the first or second act. No. And yeah, I think after, after watching it again, cause I saw it first in theaters and I hadn't watched it again until... Uh, you know, a couple of days when, ago when we watched this. Yeah. And then I kind of had that same feeling after I watched it the first time. It's like, I didn't really know what it was, but then I kind of started thinking like, God, I didn't really like the ghosts. And then as we talk about it now, it's, I feel like that's gotta be it. Cause everything else is awesome. It's gotta be it. So I want to go through some fun facts that will bring up some, uh, Hitman. Probably some some good commentary. Uh, so I don't know which one I should go into first. We kind of talked about it, but Edgar Wright makes a playlist of songs, and from that he'll use it to help inspiration on making movies or setting the tone in scenes or movies. So before he made this movie, he actually had a playlist called Last Night in Soho, mm. and every time he'd listen to it, it would give him the inspiration, like, oh, I got to go write that. Okay, and. I, I don't know. I'm a, I love his, like, like I said, his needle drops after I watched this movie. I mean, I've got my mindset on you. Love that. For some mm-hmm. reason that was like a bop on my playlist. Yeah. Like I was about that. And then obviously downtown by Petula Clark, mm-hmm. like you, you get that. Yeah. And I would sometimes listen to that when I would walk downtown in the city. Yeah. It just to make myself feel safe and laugh at things that I was seeing. Yeah. Because the city life is, is not wild. for everybody. Yeah. I love, I love soundtracks, especially like some oldies bangers. Yeah. Um, and 
I the really, kinks are in there. Yeah, I really liked the ones he chose for this because they weren't the most obvious ones, and like you were saying, like they weren't the most well known. Yeah, it's and, not like he's dropping "Gimme Shelter," right? right? Which gets fucking old. It does. It does. You hear that, he Scorsese? I don't want to hear "Gimme Shelter." One more or goddamn time in your movie, or "Sympathy for the Devil." Sympathy for of the, for the devil, or uh, what's that fucking song by Cream? Oh, white, uh, not white room. Um, beam, 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 sunshine of your beam, love. Yeah, like I get it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Scorsese. I mean, at the time though, don't you score some at of the this time? Easy. No one else did it, so it it yeah. was him doing. But now it's just either we've seen the movie redundant. Or it's, yeah, it's redundant love. Clubs that way, love. And um. Queen's Gambit with Anya Taylor-Joy. I love the soundtrack in that, too. Yeah. And, like, there's just total bangers from there that I've never really heard before, and now they're, like, kind of go-tos if I have, like, an oldies playlist. Mm-hmm. So, I love um, shit. Anya Taylor-Joy. Here's a good little snippet on our gal, ATJ. Wright was astonished by how talented she was singing. Uh, so they had her record two versions of Downtown, one which was slow and more of an acapella, um, and one that was upbeat and very m- basically mimicking the Downtown version by Petula Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just they realized that, holy shit, her voice alone with the acapella version of Downtown is so beautiful but kind of haunting. Mm-hmm. And so they use that in the trailer and in the movie when she does her audition. Yeah. And I think that awesome. they, they picked the right one there. I think so. It yeah, just fits the vibe so perfect. It it made me excited to see the movie because mm-hmm. the trailer, when she's singing it, like the way that they're showing it brings that suspense. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he just honestly gets... The whole, I don't know, Edgar Wright, A-plus on music and soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Like, one of my favorite scenes ever in a movie is Shaun of the Dead, the Don't Stop Me Now, when they're beating the zombie with the pool sticks. So funny. Yeah. So funny. And all of Baby Driver is basically Mm -hmm. just based off of a a playlist in music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, great. It, it makes it like almost interactive yeah you know like you can you kind of like can dance to a song or like if you know the song you can kind of sing to it like you know it and it i don't know it brings you into the it brings you into whatever is going on on screen and it just it's like it's inviting, it really does know? set the tone and like stuff mm-hmm. on the screen happens to the song yeah good job um so we said all mirror scenes were practical uh ATJ and Thomas and McKenzie. I'm going to wait because there's a fucking at at outside our window. It's like Skittles in there. So, where were we? Uh, we mentioned it before that all the mirror scenes were practical um, in ATJ and TM, Thomas and McKenzie had to practice miming each other um i think they said one of the weirdest scenes that they did was that scene when at the cafe de paris when jack pulls sandy into the phone booth and starts kissing on her and kissing her neck and like that that's all practical like 
basically Thomas and McKenzie and ATJ were side by side mm-hmm. getting necked, just necked. And it was weird because they were like looking at each other in the eyes while they were getting smooched on. on. Yeah. So they said it was kind of that a weird experience. Weird, yeah. uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but I kind of caught this and the Halloween party mm-hmm. uh, in the background. There's a little Easter egg. I saw a purge mask, a light up purge oh, mask. Did you? And so I don't know. Actually, I know this because I just saw the new, I just saw the new Blumhouse. Is it Blumhouse or Blumhouse? I think I would have said Bloom, but Bloom it, House, it could Bloom be House. Blum. Whatever. Uh, Bloom Bloom. Yeah. Universal is their studios, but Blumhouse is with Universal. Um, and they actually created a new, like, opening scene. Like, a new opening. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it yet. And I saw it when I watched The Black Phone. Okay. And it's really that. cool. Okay. I kind of want to, like, pause the pod and show you. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw the new intro to bloom house uh when i saw the black phone and i saw like the obviously one of the big parts of it when they're going through that house is the purge girls holding hands mm-hmm. and then i realized i put it together i was like oh yeah like universal bloom house and they put a, they can like put a purge mask back there because they own the rights to yeah. it so it was a little bit of an easter egg that's nice yeah that's cool i like that intro a lot yeah i like i was like when i first saw it i was holy shit what the Michael Myers is going on, mm-hmm. which I kind of like, he's just out there. Yeah. You know, I, I want to dissect that a little bit and see what, what? other movies. Cause I saw like insidious. I don't know what the tub was. I don't either, but I saw the insidious demon with yeah. the finger, the Michael Myers, obviously. Um, and then the purge, but there's a couple other stuff. There's mm-hmm. some things there too that I don't know. Yeah. So that would be good to go through. Um, John doesn't have much going for him in this movie other than just being a nice guy and love interests. Mm-hmm. Like, the love interest really plays no part in this. He's just a friend. Even if he died at the end, I don't really think that it would have changed anything. They kind of just didn't focus on him at all. Yeah, I think it was it was uh, just to give Eloise an ally, in a way. Like, someone that like can listen to her and try to help she her. She could rely on. Yeah. yeah, otherwise she would just be running around... She'd be running up that hill, talking to herself. Dude, gets stabbed, fucking murked real quick. I definitely thought he was gonna die. Yeah, and I will say that scene when Sandy's chasing Eloise up the stairs and she's climbing up, it's kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. That's probably the cheesiest part of that movie. That's when yeah. it goes downhill. Yeah, you know, it's just so it just. And ah, then she gets so to the much. top of the stairs and she realizes, oh, she's an old lady. I can, I can just, just kick, kick her, her leg. Her. Yeah, it's funny. Ballsy move by Sandy, though, in the um, when they show what really happened, grabbing the blade yeah. of the knife, just yeah. cutting her hand, stabbing him in the yeah. neck. Yeah. Boom. Hell yeah, Anya. Hell yeah. She just stabbed me in the neck anytime. She stabs me in the neck with those beautiful eyes Ugh. all the time. It's beautiful. Some people are like, dude, why do you like her? She, we don't, they don't understand why I like her because they think that her eyes are too far apart. Oh my God. They're, they're just haters. I dude, I can't. 
I can't with the Anya Taylor Joy. I will not have that slander. Yeah, anyone who doesn't think she's beautiful, um, it has no eyes and is stupid. You're dumb. You're dumb. Here's another fun thing. She's just so fun to look at. Her costumes throughout the throughout the movie show um, basically her deep dive into the terrible world she lives in. Yeah, the clothing so has an arc. When we're introduced to her, she's in that beautiful pink dress. Mm-hmm. And then as we go on, her outfits get cheaper and more tacky and more revealing mm. of skin until okay. she's basically just in lingerie on the bed for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So it shows kind of her descent and same with the settings. So we start with cafe de Paris then we go to the Rialto and then we're in the basement bar, which yeah. is just like this gross, probably nowadays is a strip club, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then her, you know, kind of shitty apartment. And then her shitty apartment where she's just murking people. Yeah. Under the floorboards, into the walls. Yeah. This is probably traumatizing, but she should have at least uh, taken their money, you know? Probably did. I hope she took their money after she or before she killed her. Yeah, whatever they had they on hand. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Just probably. rob them. Yeah. In real, li- in real life, there's no way that she gets away with all that no. because I don't think Anya Taylor-Joy is able to drag a full-grown male dead corpse. Also, just the logistics of cleaning up the blood, people like knowing that they're going to this house and to, disappearing. He went with her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed in this movie was Ellie kept running out of the fire exits. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to symbolize there, but huh. in the movie, multiple times when she's running away, either upset or from the ghost, she runs out of a fire exit, and you can hear the alarms going off. Weird from a fire door. I don't know if it ha- it kind yeah. of foreshadows the fire at the end, maybe. But yeah, maybe that, or maybe it was it's something like- I noticed. Maybe it's like a real panic thing. Like, if you're really freaking out, you just got to get out. Right? Got to go. You got to go. But if you're like chill enough, I wouldn't go through a fire exit. I'd go through like the front door. Yeah. Um. So maybe kind of just showing like how panicked she is that she'll trigger an alarm mm-hmm. just to remove herself. It's She's alarming. Considering it, it is. It's an alarming rate of fire alarms. Getting hit by a black cab is uh, foreshadowed heavily through this movie. There's a lot of scenes mm. where... Uh, it's like a close call. It's a close call. Yeah. yeah. So, Edgar Wright, keep doing it. Let's see. Keep doing it to him. Yeah, because she... Uh, Eloise almost gets hit by one. Multiple and times. old... The old guy. Yeah, he gets he's like, fucking smoked Well, by he one. tells her to like look out for those and then he gets nailed yeah apparently he did like the first half of that stunt the actual actor oh really the, terrence patch yeah the uh the front terrence patch terrence stamp like the bonnet or whatever. calling him patch this whole time patches O'Hulahan. that's fucking funny stamp patch terrence patch terrence stamp apparently the hello love front of the car was foam so he like had the initial hit yeah and then they like cut to another guy who gets like fucking warped to the floor and just lays there Absolute in his own morbid. blood. Yeah, and Ed Gray's like, I'm not going to let that old guy like sit there in his own blood. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that to him. There's one scene with uh him when Eloise is in the the toucan, I think, is the bar she works at. And he turns around and just stares at her and it's an awkward like he's like this. He just kinda turns around and just like stares at her without saying anything. And it's just that like like they show that frame for an extended amount of time. Mm. And I get it that they're trying to like sh- make you think that he's Jack, but it's just, it made me laugh because it was so awkward. Mm-hmm. It was so awkwardly done. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, in the toucan, there's a bunch of, oh my God. Oh, oh my goodness. My Guinness posters. My stepdad oh. has like half of those posters okay. i grew up in a house with a bunch of those like my goodness my guinness and it's like there's an ostrich with a pint glass in his throat okay or like two cans with the pint glass on its net on their beaks and they're flying overhead okay it's just some sort of like animal with guinness and yeah they have a pint or something that's funny yeah but i saw so all you those like knew like, a lot of those posters oh yeah oh my god yeah all right uh before we kind of get into categories and wrap this up I did want to mention some fun things that Edgar Wright is one of those directors where he has thumbprints in movies, which I find really cool. And I like when like, obviously directors that are good enough have their own like thumbprints on stuff. Uh, A couple of them I just want to go list off. Well, like probably the top one or one of the top ones is fence hopping. Okay. You don't really see it in this one. And there's a lot okay. of them that you don't see in this one, but fence hopping and the Cornetto trilogy, a lot of like, f- for some reason, f- hopping over a fence. Didn't they normally like fall? Yeah. It's always they, like a gag. It's kind of like a slapstick. Yeah. Opportunity. Yep. Um, then fast transitions slash like smash zooms mm-hmm. where he makes like mundane things like in Shaun of the Dead, like brushing your teeth and getting ready. And it's just like, yeah showing the water and then quickly going to the mouth and then quickly like spitting out it's like that stuff i love those yeah those are fun yeah um whip pans which are like facial expressions it's basically the smash zooms but with facial expressions they do a lot of it in scott pilgrim where like something happens and they just like show everybody in the room's reaction but it's Mm -hmm. like one two three yeah like real close up of the face yeah um pop culture references he puts a lot of pop culture so obviously we have all the james bond references here Mm -hmm. um and hot fuzz like it's a big point break reference going on um he does a lot of what they call, I guess, Mickey Mousing, but we, we talked about this, where the song slash beat of the scene is what's like happening in the scene. Mm. Basically all of Baby Driver. Yeah. And then massive foreshadowing. So I didn't necessarily see it in this film, but like in Shaun of the Dead and in Scott Pilgrim that I can remember, like Shaun of the Dead, Nick Frost basically says how the whole movie's going to lay out when Sean and his girlfriend break up and they're at the pub and he's like, this is what we're going to do. And they, he like says what they're going to do. And that's how like the whole movie plays out. Right. And if you don't catch it, you don't catch it. Cause it's kind of fast. Mm-hmm. They 
sort of do it with Scott Pilgrim showing like a lot of the X's in the background mm-hmm. and like okay. how many X's are left that he has to fight versus sure. how many he's fought. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just a smart, talented director. Kind of sew that into his movie. Yeah. And if you catch it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. But if yeah. you do, I good. feel like a lot of those thumbprints, like you're saying, um, wouldn't fit in this movie. Yeah. So I'm glad he didn't try to like the force fast it transitions in. are like yeah you can't have that because it's kind of a comedy. Yeah. Comedic thing. You know. Yeah. All right. Um. I got an ad. Who are we sponsored by today? Well, <clears throat> we're sponsored by the hottest fashion designer from Soho. They launched a new line. She's throwing out Hot Girl Summer and introducing Bad Girl Summer. Hey, That's right, bitches. Jocasta is up to her old shit again, just serving straight mean girl vibes. The collection is all leather and all black, a perfect F.U. to the summer sun. This skin-tight clothing comes in just one size, because as Jocasta says, if you can't fit in it, it wasn't made for you, love. Oi. Cover your arms and legs to avoid burning your pasty London skin while also hiding it from the lads because they don't deserve you. You're better than them. Look the part. This line will give you an air of chic and superiority that will make everyone want to be you, in you, or kill you. Join the Bad Girl Summer Revolution. Get your uniform today. Available now only at Target. Wow. What a hell of a fashion designer. And I love... I love for her that she she dropped the last name and just goes by Jacosta. It's a power move for sure. Power move. That's and the I sort know. of moves you got to make to get in. Uh, she knows her brand. To into Target, yeah. yeah. Fuck, I'll have to look out for that next time I'm at Target with the with the bay. Yeah, just get the get the fits going. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's gonna be some more money we can expense on drinks. To discuss. How to make this a make how to make this, this better. better? Yeah, I like that. Nice. We're going to uh, here. We go. What are we doing now? Awards? Favorite. Oh, favorite scenes. I I really liked the. Um. Obviously, the scene where Anya Taylor Joy sings downtown. Yep. Um, I have that too. And I like. I like the scene where um, Sandy's getting murdered. I thought there was really good editing in that mm-hmm. where it was like transitioning between. I felt so bad for Eloise. Uh, Elo- well, Eloise, but her boyfriend. Yeah. Like, like there was a lot going on yeah. and like showing both Eloise's perspective and his, like what the his, fuck are you and seeing? And then Diana Rigg comes up. Yeah. And like you're kind of seeing her, and then they like cut to like her eyes, like with the knife. I, I felt like that would have been a very complicated scene to put together, and I think it was executed really well. I thought that was a cool scene. I agree, love, love. I have uh, just that first showing of the the Thunderball poster. It's mm-hmm. just kind of burned in the back of your head. Yeah, and then when she goes into the the cafe, and like the coat check and mm-hmm. the, all that, it's just so. Uh, the like yeah. mirror tap mm-hmm. kind of transitions you to on your Anya showing you 
that she's Anya. And just throughout the whole movie, they use reflections and mirrors just constantly. Like there'll be, they'll be passing a column and it's Eloise. And then, then they pass another column and it's Anya Taylor joy. And they pass another column all in one shot and it's Eloise again. Yeah. And it's just like, if you can easily miss some of the stuff, which is also pretty cool for rewatching. Hell of a movie. You sound like you're from London. I'm from Isn't London. It? Hell of a movie, Adnet. A fucking biscuit. A fucking crumpet and tea. Right. Adnet. Right. Mm. I got blisters in me fingers. I'd like to be. All right. Uh, two fictional thing. awards here. What do you got there, champ? Oh, I've got best use of mirrors in a movie. Whoa! I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Oh, yeah. I've been looking at ATJ in the mirror. Go to the mirror, boy. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. Nice. Uh, best blending of soundtrack and score in a movie. I don't know about like all time, but I thought there was it was well done. I basically yeah. I was like it was cool. Like you would there would be a song going, playing, but also the score. I gave it um, some similar. One of my awards was the Edgar Wright Playlist Award. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Hell, Hell yeah, yeah, Edgar. Edgar. Right. Right. W. Wright. Edgar Roy. Right. Uh, and then uh, my number one award was the Anya Taylor Joy Award. Enough said. <laughs> that's that's about it. And basically just an anything. Oscar. <laughs> it's basically just an Oscar, but Anya Taylor Joy. If Anya Taylor Joy is in it, I will watch it. And that's power right there. I have yet to see The Northman, and I just Ooh, can't wait to see her let's, in that. We should definitely do that for the pod. There's a lot of cool like Viking shit we can talk about. I don't know if I'm ready for uh, the Scars Guardian going on in that movie yet, but I'm ready for the ATJ. Hmm. It's a lot. Of, sometimes like there's a little too much Scars Guard going on in movies. There's a there's a whole lot of Scars Guard. Yeah, in this, but it's cool. There was uh, at the end there. When the credits start rolling, they show like flashes of like the streets empty and like Soho, which yeah. they were able to do because of COVID. Yeah, I thought so that it was, was like cool. actually empty. Did it kind of give you like Halloween vibes? At the a end? little bit, yeah. I feel like it was mirrored towards that. Yeah, where they kind of just show the scenes of everything. Mm-hmm. Which it was more city based. Yeah, I feel like than like scenes, but I think what was creepy it was about it is like that like homage. Yeah, once you realize that is actually the city in. Mm-hmm. It's very much a city that doesn't sleep. Like there's like always people on the sidewalk. There was nowhere, no one in sight, and they yeah. were able to get those stills. It's kind of sick. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Drinking game, drinking game, gang, gang, gang. When we start, yep. All right, sip when an oldies banger plays. Like that. Sip when you see a ghostly reflection. So like her mom. Or Sandy, mm-hmm. or whatever. Sip when Jocasta says something bitchy. Wow, yeah, that's a good Sip one. Sip when Sandy and Eloise touch, mm-hmm. whether it be in the mirror or like in a dream, or whatever. And take a shot when a boy goes into Eloise's room. 
Wow. Or finish your drink. I like that. What do you got? I like it. I like well, my. I have sip when a song starts a scene. So basically, you're the banger. Mm-hmm. Um, sip when Eloise goes to the past slash visions of the past get present. So when she's dreaming as Sandy or mm-hmm. Sandy shows up on the screen in reality or mm-hmm. anybody from the past shows up in the screen in reality. Sip. Um, I said sip when the old weird guy shows up. Terrence Patch. Why did I write Patch? Wait, is it stamp? We'll what never the- know. <laughs> what? Dude. It's fucking stamp. Why did I write patch? Stamp, yeah. That's so weird. I think I went through the Mandela effect here. So, yeah, that one can get canned. Uh, sip when ATJ is on screen. And then finish your drink when you see the Thunderbolt billboard. Mm, early. Yeah. I like the finish your drink one. All right. Do you um, want to edit it on yours? Yeah. So let's do finish drink. I like all of yours except we should do the finish the drink. Okay. Let me just adjust that. Keep everything else. Yep. Cool. Because basically we had the same along the same lines. Path. Perfect. Right. You want to run through it? Final take for oh, the kiddos. Right. All right, you're gonna sip when an oldies banger plays. You're gonna sip when you see a ghostly reflection or in the mirror. I'll word that. Uh, sip when Joe Costa says something bitchy. Sip when Sandy and Eloise touch. Finish your drink when you see the Thunderball billboard. Love it. Love it. Love. Last thing we have here for you. On a scale from A to Z, what would you rate this movie? Mm. J. For? Joy. Woo! I thought you were going for Jocasta. Because Anya Taylor-Joy gives me so much joy. Oh, fuck, man. That was you a really, deep one. You reeled that in there, yep. huh? Just sewing in the sewing in the thumbprints like, like Edgar Wright. I'm going to go with uh, right. a Y. Ooh, for? You know where to find me. Nice. Class, and I'm saying that classy. directly to Anya. I know you just recently got married, but uh, did she? Seattle. I'm in Seattle, baby. Come I don't get want me. I don't want. I don't care. Doesn't matter. Seattle, baby. You know where to find me. We're here. If you ever need something to talk about, I'm here, Anya. Love you lots. We could take you to the comet. Take you to the comet. Go dancing. Get your Seattle dog afterwards. Good. <laughs> nice <laughs> bit of cuisine for you, mate. Nice, nice bit of Do I cuisine. Do I might Late night cuisine for your love. Take you out dancing, reward you with a nice little greasy Seattle a dog. A little glass of buff. A buff. A buff. A little glass of buff. We'll show you all the sights and sounds of Broadway. Don't worry, love. You ain't got enough quid to make it back home. I'll get you on <laughs> one of me scooters. <laughs> Club's back that way, love. Club's back that way, love. Make sure Hand you Handbrakes, love. Hand brakes. Hand brakes on those scoots. Hand brakes, love. Don't slap your sandals down. <laughs> <laughs>